Alonso in for Spain, but is he essential for your FPL team? It's episode 102 of Fancy Football Surgery Podcasts. Welcome back all. We're back after a short week off with the inconvenience of the international fixtures, the Nations League, which is a kind word for friendlies. I'm not giving up on that. Hmm. But with all that said, back for the good stuff. More FPL coming our way. Welcome back, my co-host and editor. It is the Iceman. Thank you, Rui. Welcome back to you too. Thank you very much. Lovely, lovely weekend, Iceman, hosted by yourself, just to start off with that. Nice bit of fulf. Yeah. Um, how, how, do both, how do me and you both fare in our group? Uh, we, we we both lost in the football right. golf. I don't know how it happened, to be honest, considering well, two years ago I won it. Yeah, the two defenders, excellent long game, not so good with the finishing. That's so. exactly right. We're, we're good long game. From the tee off, it was going long, but our short was, yeah, terrible. As long as I can still clear, though, I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, a lovely weekend overall. How have you fared without FPL for, for a week or two? Have you gone stir-crazy, or were you pleased for the brief respite? No, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, having the guys over this weekend also has filled the little gap, but we did talk quite a lot of FPL as well. So, uh, and ex-surgeons as well. Ex-surgeons, yeah. Beardman is uh, top of the league, of our little mini-league at the moment. So, uh, Oh, no, he's actually fallen down to second this week. But, yeah, it was nice going over stuff with him. He's on his wild card. Well, our um, our next person I'm introducing requires no introduction if you're a regular listener. If you haven't met him before, it's TC, Mr. Tom Campbell, back with us again, friend of the pod, regular every season. He always pops up two or three times. Good to have you back, TC. Hi, Bully. How's it going, mate? Really, really good. Yeah, excellent to have you back, mate. And uh, how, how has the season kicked off for you after the first four game weeks? Yeah, do you know what? Relative to the last few seasons when I've come on at this sort of stage of the season and being, uh, you know, sort of completely depressed and, uh, woe is me. It's actually started okay. Uh, nothing spectacular, right. but, um, actually not a disastrous season whereby, you know, you're, you're immediately miles behind and, and having to, you know, do, do sort of long game planning to, to try and call, claw back respectability. So yeah, a, an all right start to the season for me. And I think, Similar for, for you and, and good for Iceman as well, from what I've picked up? Uh, Iceman better than me. I started not too bad. I've had one or two weeks where I'm not too happy, but uh, I'm still within touching distance of something achievable. Iceman, how are you yeah. feeling about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm up in the 200k overall, so, yeah. so that's not too bad at this point. Rock solid. Rock solid, mate. Yeah. Solid. No, it's all, all good, really. And um, yeah, no worries on not getting the invite to the football golf. I was I was busy anyway, so... <laughs> Next time, next time. Ah, yeah, next time, mate, yeah. Now, uh, now, let me just quickly sort this out. Iceman, why didn't you invite Tom to our weekend? Um, I've, got, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> like I say, I was busy. Busy, busy. Good. Let's sort uh, anyway. that one out off air, Iceman. Uh, excellent. Well, good to have you back, TC, with all of that said. We're going to get into how your teams did in the last game week in just a moment. But first of all, your FPL headlines. Name a better trio of Mendy, Alonso and Robertson. I'll wait. Can we really ignore Hazard? And can the real Harry Kane please stand up? Mo Salah versus no Salah versus Salah plus Mane. And they're finally rotation risk in midfield. Pedro, Mora, Mickey, Silva and Silva. All of this will be mused over the next hour and a half or however long that we ramble on within this podcast. But uh, no, we will try and do it just a bit shorter than that. But no, tease. 
Let us know what you think about the podcast length as well. I had a few bits of feedback online about that. We we know people like shorter pods, but at the same time, we also like to really get into the issues. So give us your feedback on Twitter, at FF underscore surgery. Um, but let's get into our teams from the past game week then, chaps. Obviously, it might be a little bit of a distant memory given we've had the international break. But if I kick off with mine, as I never do that. So I scored I had an awful game week. I scored a dismal 30 uh, the best I got was Kun as my captain with 12 and Robertson with 5. Otherwise, it was just a sea of 1s and 2s. So absolute garbage. Iceman, how did you get on? Well, we all had the Richardson injury, so I actually moved him out for Ramsey. And I also moved Coleman out for Alonso to fund that. I moved out Mares for the injured Walcott. So I did take a minus 2. Uh, minus 4, sorry. And... Yeah, I did not too bad. 53 with minus 4, average is 44. So, not too bad. Captain Aguero. Yeah, I think a lot of people went the Aguero way over uh, over Salah. How about yourself, TC? How did you get on? Yeah, not bad. Um, 49 points for me uh, no. for game week 4. Um, kind of frustrated, though, because I decided to double down on Palace defence. So, I went for PVA, um, who I've subsequently actually transferred out. And um, Wan-Bissaka, who I've had since the beginning of the season, Rather than starting uh, Cedric, so Cedric would have been my first—it was my first substitute, rather—with 12 points, and he didn't get his get his way on there. So that was kind of frustrating, but I can't feel too bad because it was uh, above the average and didn't feel like a huge huge swing of a game week. So um, was happy enough. Captain Deguero had Mane and Ings, who did who did well for me. Mendy seems to be pretty reliable. I'm sure we'll talk at length about him on this show, but um, yeah. yeah, pretty happy with game week four. Tom, have you, have you used your wild card yet? Nope, still got that in the in the back pocket. Ooh, treasured, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I, I I did I did obviously think about it with uh, over this international break. So I kind of made I made my transfers really early in the game week, which is not something you know we sort of typically recommend over an international break with so much football to be played, even with the nature of the you know competitions being being pretty friendly. But I thought. I'll do that, see if I can catch the price rises, and if things go disastrously wrong with injuries over the, the last two weeks, then I'd, I'd play it. Um, that hasn't yeah. happened so far. We're recording on Monday, so there are still a bunch of fixtures still to be played, but I'd happily use it if I had to, because you know I don't, I'm not averse to using a wild card early. I think there's a lot of merit in it, personally, but there's just not heaps I do with my squad, um, so I didn't th- think it was it was merited at this stage. So, no, Still clinging on to that for the minute. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, yeah, sounds like a good use and trying to be sensible with it to this point. Funny story. Our friend from the weekend actually played his free hit chip by accident and is now <laughs> on the wild card as well. So, <laughs> oh, <yeah. not> quite <laughs> <too short>. <laughs> Oops. Big time. Okay. Yeah. Interesting stuff, TC. We'll, we'll see how that implements your picks as we go through the podcast. Sure. Let, let's see how the mini league is shaping up. Over a 1,000 in that league now. Really, really great support. So thank you, everyone, for that. Let's go from number 10. So we've got uh, Paul McNally, way shape or form in 10th place. 9th place, Jeff Fletcher, who has Mo Salah, no, Mo Salah, Mo Mane. Sons of Pitches, Adam Hubbard in 8th. Mexican Hot Pockets with Chris Wood in 7th. Moaning Skirtle, that's Raul Mystery. Fratafruti with Fred Allenson in 5th. Order Est. Basser, John Olchin in fourth. I'm sure I've said that wrong. Hmm. Uh, third place, we've got Being Arnautovic, Andrew McKinnon. Second place, FC Smoth, James Smith. And in first place, we've got Isala, Cup Namde, 
Diraj Diraj, who is holding the top spot. 323 points. Well done to you. Yes, he... Do you guys... Uh, rec- on Twitter. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, Jim. Uh, do you guys recognise any of those names from previous seasons? We got any uh, uh, serial... John, John Option. John Option's been there before, yeah. Yeah, good uh, on him. I always uh, wonder if there's, if there's people who continued success, you know? It's, we're all striving for. Yeah. Yeah, never, never had a mention in the in that in that league is too damn difficult. One day. One day you will. Yeah, maybe, yeah. One day you may. Yeah, so excellent, great stuff uh, from the, the front runners there. Lots of season to go though. So it's time to talk about the uh, the game week. And this week we are going to be focusing more on not on the fixtures but actually on your questions because it has been international game week and there's a bit more musing about specific things to do at this point. Before we get to that, Iceman, it's time to take a trip back to Icemandia. Oh, God. <laughs> so, um, I've received a message from the Icemandic State with an official royal seal of approval. Dear Mr. Mr. Bully, as I am sure you're aware, our head of state, the Ice Queen, is a big fan of your show and listens every week. On your last show, Iceman declared himself banished from Icemandia following engagements for an NBL, that's a non-bearded lady, which ups Her Majesty dearly. So we write to you to assist us in rectifying the situation. Since the Iceman announced his engagement, we have had an extraordinary public reaction. MBLs are increasingly becoming accepted in our society. Imprisoning them as circus acts has been made illegal. And in the last week, we will uh, witness the first NBL securing full-time employment, working the tills in Iceland. Other Icelandic fresh food stores are available. Her Majesty wishes to award the Iceman the biggest honour of Icelandian can receive for his contribution to diversity in our Icelandic society. He is hereby awarded with the Mark Noble Piss Prize for services to Icelandia, and the bottom of Mark Noble's piss has been dispatched to the Iceman in recognition. Kind regards, Ice Cube, the Secretary of State. <laughs> what, what has Mark Noble got to do with piss? Uh, I think I think he epitomises piss in Premier League midfields this season, but that is from a fancy football tipster you may well have guessed. <laughs> yeah, this really needs to be closed down, this ridiculous feature. What a fabulous piece of writing that is, though. Very happy with that. That's brilliant. Thanks. Thanks. That's, that's Thanks. Just... Yeah, any questions about the Iceman's homeland, no matter how outrageous, um, yeah, send them in. Yeah. Um, should we talk about football? Uh, we do have a competition winner to announce before we do anything else. We had loads of entries to this competition for listing all of our guests that we've actually had on the podcast over the years. And Tom entered, Tom Campbell actually entered this competition, didn't you, Tom? And, uh, I did. He actually won. <laughs> But but he's already in our Slack channel, so we're not going to be giving him the prize of gifting him the Slack entry to the Slack channel. In second place was John Eric Torsonson. He is already a Patreon of of ours, and he got the second most amount of uh, guests. But yeah, you you led with. I think you almost got all of them, Tom. So well done. Uh, but I did well, forget one of the original surgeons. So I think you I did, be yeah. On those, on those yeah, you did. No, no one got it fully right, so don't worry. But yeah, well done, John. I will. Uh, if you just pop me your email address, and then I will send you an invite to the Slack channel. We will have another one of these competitions at some point, so look out for that on our Twitter, ff underscore surgery. Very nice, right, Iceman? Shall we uh, get started with the questions for this game? Maybe? Yeah, why not? Yeah. So what are they? <laughs> just trying to get them up. 
We were inundated with loads of Twitter questions, so I'm just going to start it. I think we had about 40 in the end, but sorry if we're going to miss your questions. We will miss one or two, and apologies for that. But we'll start off with one here from Captain Kingpin. He has put, is it worth investing in Leicester players given their amazing fixtures and if so who and uh, King Chip uh, added his uh, comment to say Madison is who he is going for uh, he's watched a few of the, their matches and uh, he is really impressive so Tom I'm going to come to you first what's your thoughts on the Leicester players I'm going for them yeah interesting team I think um, so those great fixtures that got mentioned in the questions just to get give the listeners an uh, indication of what we mean by that so next four are looking are looking great they've got Bournemouth away, who've, uh, their defence is beyond atrocious. They've got Huddersfield at home, Newcastle away, and then Everton at home. So, tasty run of games. Start the season pretty well. Uh, two wins, two defeats. They are eighth in the league, if you care about league position at this stage. Uh, they got one clean sheet, which was against Wolves, although I'm not entirely sure how they managed that clean sheet, having watched that game. And the Wolves were ever so unlucky in that game. Uh, unlucky in that game. So, yeah, I think reading off the bat, you think, yeah, that looks good. So I thought what I'd do in, to try and answer this question is just try and look at some of the sort of more popular picks that you might start to think about and give you some information about each of those. So I think the first one to note is uh, their kind of talisman, Jamie Vardy. So 8.9 million uh, this season. So he's already had a price fall. That will be largely due to the fact that he's been suspended. Uh, but that actually uh, allied to the fact that he's not playing international football any longer. He's retired from international football for the time being, at least. He um, should be very well rested, having had that, that ban from the red card. So I thought, instead of looking at his performance at the beginning of the season before that red card, which was, you know, decent enough, I thought I'd just have a quick look at the last four game weeks of last season instead. So he averaged 2.3 shots a game, 1.3 on target. So thought to bring that into context that compares to Kane who in the same period got 3.8 shots per game and 1.5 on target so you know it is comparable obviously paying a lot less for Jamie Vardy so kind of happy enough with his form um, he did score in that cameo against United in, in game week one but I think just something I noticed Jim I don't know if you picked up on this as well but actually these great fixtures for, for Vardy I'm not convinced they're actually going to play up in his favour just the way Leicester kind of play and specifically on Vardy, I did some analysis and looked at him against the big teams last year. So he played in all 12 of those uh, games by big teams. I'm denoting the teams that finished in the top six. Yeah. Played in all 12 and he scored 11 goals in the process. So 11 goals in 12 games and um, bookended the season with respective 13-point hauls away at Arsenal against your boys hmm. at the Emirates and against Spurs respectively. And he averaged... 6.75 points in those games and accrued a, co- a total of 81 points. So for Vardy, it seems to be somewhat, you know, counterintuitively that he tends to favour more against the big teams just because of the, the counter and the, the fact that the teams that he's playing against there are, you know, they're trying to beat Leicester. So that counter-attacking football does play into his his favour. I, I wondered what, before I start talking about the other options, just wondered if you guys, what your thoughts are on Vardy for this this run. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, like with Leicester, they are a counter-attacking team and they do like it when they're under pressure and that's where he got most of his goals. I mean, like the year where he scored game after game after game, I didn't get him in because they had bad fixtures, but now they've got some really, really good ones. It's not necessarily to say that they're going to score those goals. Maybe it's going to come from midfield. I do think Puyol's got them playing kind of in a different way. I don't think it's uh, exactly the same. So, 
I think it's more of an unknown this season. Jamie could, he could get more points. We, we kind of don't know because we haven't seen enough evidence of it at the moment, but he did look a menace when he came on against United in that game. And obviously he, he did, did didn't he? He looked hungry, yeah. didn't he? He looked yeah. really good. So we, we haven't got enough data this season to kind of judge it, I don't think. And I think that the way that Puyol has gotten playing, he could be one of these great options. It's just at that price, you're kind of committing to it and then you're just hoping. I just, all, all the time, I never see a large amount of goals from Jamie Vardy. I don't see him scoring two a game, getting a hat-trick or anything like that. I think it's one or two, maybe an assist here and there. Um, yeah. So for me, for that price, I don't want to go there. It's it's difficult, isn't it? Because that price, is it doesn't fit with any of our structures, does it, really? I mean, you'd be talking about a downgrade of one of your premium strikers or trying to take pull some money out of defence, which feels perverse at the moment because that's yeah. where you want to be putting money. Um, and, and like you say, you just, you're not expecting those big hauls. So he's very unlikely to get the armband ever. So it, it's quite a tough sell to say Jamie Vardy's the great option. But I think if you're looking for an under the radar pick, mm. then there's enough there to suggest that it's a, you know, a justifiable punt. But I, I probably still would classify it as, as a punt. What, yeah. what do you reckon, Bully? To, to be honest, if I was investing in Leicester through this period, I'd probably, because I'm wildcarding at the moment, so I looked at Vardy, but it's hard to get in some of the top midfielders at the moment and the defenders that are really performing highly and justify getting Vardy. Um, yeah. I think he'll get goals, but just I think the money's better invested elsewhere. Almost for this period for Leicester, I'm looking at more of the likes of Pereira. Their full well, down. it is funny. That is a seamless link because the next sort of two players that I looked at was moving into the defence. I thought it would be quite interesting to do a kind of comparison between... Yeah. Pereira, who's priced at 5.1 million, and Chilwell, who's priced at 5.0 mil. Yes, yeah. So they're on respective flanks. And it does seem to be that Chilwell has taken that left-back spot from Fuchs. Fuchs did play and scored an absolute worldie in the Carabao Cup. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, But he doesn't seem to be featuring too much in the league. So, you know, I take the point that there is that rotation risk there. But I did think it, actually, if you think about Schmeichel, Evans, if he's ever reliably fit, Maguire, Chilwell and Pereira as a sort of back five, I quite like how that looks, with especially with Mendy in front of them. I know that the, the Wes Morgan retirement parade seems to be continuing a pace or unabated, but eventually you'd think that Evans will take his spot. And I quite like how that defensive unit will actually look. Um, yeah. So I think a comparison between the two, and again, Jim or Bully, if you've got any thoughts, just just come in. But bonus points-wise, Pereira is shading things initially. That might be because he was playing quite far advanced initially. But he's had three bonus points compared to uh, Chilwell's two. And he's winning sort of hands down on the underlying BPS. So he's got 92 compared to 64 um, of Chilwell. No yellows for either is, is encouraging because they seem to hammer the bonus point. A potential and you see that Ricardo which is <laughs> actually I got confused because I saw Ricardo on the back of Pereira's shirt on hmm. I think it was match of the day or, or maybe yeah. in the no it would have been match of the day rather than the Carabao Cup he's getting 40 he's got 14 tackles so far compared to Chilwell's seven so I think bonus points if that's a metric you're interested in then Pereira's shading things in the initial part but yeah if you actually look at the more I don't know obvious metrics then Chilwell is killing it on the crossing stats so he's got 23 crosses already 
compared to Pereira's 11. That's in spite of Pereira playing the de facto winger for at least one of the games. Chilwell's on and corners had... as well. Sorry, sorry Jim. I think Chilwell's on some corners as well. Ah, there we are. That's great. So so he's got that avenue potentially as well and had three shots compared to two, so not a lot in it for that. So I think there's merit in either. Obviously, there's a point one difference, which at this stage of the season could actually dictate you know, which one you're able to bring in. But I just thought it was kind of interesting that the way that Puel's been playing he has very recently reverted to that four at the back so i think it will kind of depend on how he how that continues whether or not you know when all brighton's back whether or not they play with with wing backs with him in that position or whether or not um gazel or gazal i'm not how it's sure how it's pronounced who i want to talk about in a minute how he factors in but i do worry not worry but it's an observation that Pereira might end up a little bit further back than he's been playing thus far this season just because i think Puel's still playing around with the the formation a little bit. Uh, Some Pereira, I think. Um, the thing that I like about him is the fact that he's got that history and pedigree of playing right wing, and Puel's done it twice with him already. Mm-hmm. Um, even if he ends up, because I've seen him in, a, I watched the full first game against United. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other times, and even when he's pegged back at right back, he is the overlapping, you know, consummate flying wing back who's overlapping a bit like Alonso. Sure. Chelsea. The thing I really like about him as well is at the moment the the big question for most people is. Who you know? Do you go for Mendy, Robertson, and Alonso in your team? And if you sacrifice one of those, is there a flying fullback that you could put in who offers the same kind of value? Now, Holabas is the the other option there at four point eight. But I think Pereira signed for big money. He is going to play all season. I think there's less rotation risk with him than with point. Yeah. So yeah, for me, he's he's a really good alternative kind of five million range option to the the higher flyers I've just mentioned there. It's a great analogy. It really is. Uh, yeah, I really like that observation about the less rotation risk as well, because at that right back slot, I mean, can't see Simpson getting that spot back personally. And the point you make about the defence, I know we've got a question later on from from Alex Ball as well, so we'll probably talk about some other defensive options. But I really like both of them. Um, what, what do you reckon, Jim? You on the Pereira side or Chilwell or, or neither or both? What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, like, I think they're both good options. Uh, and especially with Leicester's fixtures coming up, I do think either one. I think mm-hmm. if you're going for one, like, Billy said, I'd probably go for Pereira, but if you, if you want to use that point one elsewhere, yeah, I would, I would, uh, I'm more than happy to go Chilwell. He has got some good underlying stats as well. It may be worth hanging on. I, I actually think the Bournemouth away game, like, I personally hate their defence, Bournemouth's defence. I think it's, I think it's poor, but they, they do score goals, Bournemouth, and it's an away match. So hard to back them for a definite clean sheet in that one, but Huddersfield at home, Newcastle away, they're tasty, the two games after. So, May want be worth seeing how they got on against Bournemouth and, and see what you guys think when you when you watch the game on match of the day. But uh, it's a good run and both of them seem seem pretty viable. So yeah. Yes. Um, when we look when looking at the midfield, so um, one person I didn't look at was Damari Gray. So if you guys have any thoughts on him, then then feel free to take those on. But I just thought it would be an interesting one to look at because. I already uh, mentioned. Me, so, so uh, yeah, if you guys have any thoughts on Gray, I'll bow to your wisdom. I just didn't look at him. I, the, the two that I did was kind of interested about was, as I say, um, Gazal. Is it Gazal? We should go with Gazal pronunciation. Gazal, so, I think they were saying. On okay, cool. So the, the, I, I spotted. I was watching the Carabao Cup highlights. They played Fleetwood and battered them four 0 It was, and um, he is just. Uh, Mares doppelganger is remarkable. He's oh, Algerian. He's yeah. a winger. He plays on the right, and it just looks like him as well. And his style is—it was—it was spooky how similar they played. You know, admittedly, it was against Fleetwood, who not terrible, but uh, he he certainly had his way with them. 
and um, you know he's Algerian winger signed from Monaco. So he's got that pedigree. I suspect Bully, with your fondness of European football, you probably uh, know more about him than I do. But I was really impressed by him in that cup game. I was excited to see how he got on against Liverpool when he was named in the starting lineup. And you know he scored, so that's good. But it was from a pretty horrendous error from Allison. Picked up two bonus points, but um, had no other shots. So. I'd say, as as kind of keen I'm seeing, uh, I am to see him get on at 5.3 million. I think it's still it would still be a big punt to go for for him, especially yeah. with, we, you know, with there's so little data about him. Yes, he signed for relatively big money, I guess. I think it was 10 mil, rising to 12. Yeah. But with all Brighton around, with uh, we mentioned Pereira potentially playing wide right, you've got Damari Gray, who seems to be well favoured now for Puel. Um, and, you know, he's made the England squad, so he's going to be full of confidence as well they could all impact his minutes so you know the 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 maverick in me says it's a great shout go for it but that's not what fpl success is (laughs) uh, made on unfortunately uh, as we've all found uh, to our detriment at some point over the years so yeah fun shout but maybe just be wary Madison, I think, is the other one to to think about so 6.5 mil uh, bully you mentioned that Man United game, like he, I, I watched that game too, and I thought he he was brilliant in that game. He really yeah, did ca- yeah. caught the eye, right? He was flavour of the month initially. I think that cooled a little bit, but he still looks good. He had five shots against Liverpool. One thing I did notice, though, he doesn't seem to accrue huge bonus points. So although he's passing the eye test, average BPS so far this season across, you know, it's only a small sample, but for each game week is less than 19 DPS. So that's a concern for that type of money. So personally, it's not for me, but I can see why people are um, kind of attracted to that option as well. Yeah, I'm in the same boat on Madison. I really was quite impressed on the first game. Still am, really. He's still a good player. He's only 21. But is he going to continue to score consistently and and good points? I mean, I know it's only 6.5, but I kind of see better options elsewhere. Leicester are second bottom for XG at the moment so far this season. So they're obviously not providing that many chances, that many shots on goal. He is probably the main man for Leicester though. It's just that I'd rather stick my players away from Leicester for attacking assets. Maybe for just Pereira or Chilwell for me from them. So yeah, maybe that's the consensus between the three of us that, you know, they're a good option the next few game weeks with those fixtures but based on what we said on Vardy and uh, the, and Gazel and Madison and Damari Gray then maybe we're saying you know what we recommend the more defensive options um, yeah. instead yeah. that might be like put, put this one to bed yeah yeah I'm going to move this on now so um, we've got another one here from uh, FPL Hackneys but what's the best move with Salah in or out during his hard fixtures. We had a few others kind of on the Liverpool team. So uh, uh, Oosh FPL has put, with Liverpool fixtures turning for the worst, do you think it's advisable to keep three of their assets, Saleh, Mane, Robbo? And uh, Hogsrad is uh, putting kind of the same thing. Is it worth dumping Liverpool defensive assets for the next four game weeks? So, uh, Bully, I'm going to come to you on this one. What's your thoughts on Liverpool and where to go with all them players? Obviously, a lot of people had three at the start and now they're thinking about moving moving away. Yeah, I think um, if you've got someone like Virgil, in defence, then I would be tempted to abandon ship on him. If it's Robertson, I feel very differently because I think what he provides is an attacking option. Uh, his potential for bonus far outweighs that. And like I can see Liverpool still scoring goals in 
at least three of these fixtures for sure. You know, they've got a good, great, well, a great record against Man City considering how they've been playing over the, the last few seasons. And let's face it, after these, you know, the three out of the four games, of course, we're talking Spurs away, Saints at home, there's value that, Chelsea away and then City at home. They've got a beautiful run of fixtures after that where that front three can just tear all of those teams apart. So you've got Van Dyke. I would suggest that would be a good one to shift on. I'd keep Robertson if you've got him. Um, Mane versus Salah is an interesting debate. Salah statistically is still right up there, even though he's not got the 12 extra points that Mane has. I'm in a bit of a dilemma with this one because he, in my wildcraft team at the moment, I'm leaning more towards Sadio Mane at 3 million cheaper than Salah. But we know Salah is going to be a consistent performer over the course of the season. So, you want to come in? Yeah, it's just, just before Jim does, I thought that, that was the question I was going to ask, actually, Bully. Like, you're on your wild card, so this is the decision that you're being faced with right now as to whether or not to, to keep this guy or, or not. So you're sort of suggesting that... Well, here's the thing. My decision to do that is, is, is Salah 3 million better than Mane in terms of playing potential and returns? And at the moment, Mane is so direct in scoring goals. Sure. The answer is no. The other thing is with that 3 million, you get some of those top defenders who are scoring well, your Mendes, your Alonso's, I've actually gone towards Hazard as well at Chelsea. Exactly. Absolute dynamite. I, so there's well, money. That's the, yeah, that, that was the comparison that I heard. I was just speaking to a, a friend of mine at work who's on the same, he's on his wildcard as well. And yeah. sort of saying, can you say that, uh, you know, Salah and Pedro or someone in that, of that ilk, is that combination better than Mane and Hazard? It's like, that's the kind of, yeah, uh, juxtaposition he's faced with. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Jim? You always have a reasoned answer for this type of thing. What, what do you think? I, I just think what what has Salah done? He's had what one blank and people six point seven five points per game week. So that's what he's had so far. That is it. Oh, it's actually six point eight. So. Oh wow! <laughs> I don't no. I don't think it is. No, it's not. I rounded up. No, my guns. I rounded up. <laughs> Uh, well, the, yeah, uh, like you say, Mane's on, he is actually on 9.8 per game. I've got it down here. Salah's on 6.8. Probably rounded up on that one. <laughs> but if they were to continue that over the course of the season, yeah, Mane's going to smash him and he will beat the all-time record as well. I saw something <laughs> on, um, uh, Fantasy Football Scale that Eggersdorf put on there and he said it will be whooping Salah's last season by like uh, 70 points. So do you really right. think Mane is capable of doing that the whole season I just don't I mean like he's not Salah's not miles away from last season's points which he scored performing well in the stats he's I'm expecting some big hauls soon I mean like he scored two and assisted two for Egypt I don't think he's off the ball like people say he's top for XG He's top for shots. He's top for chances. He's shooting twice as much as like the likes of Kane, who some people are even looking at. He, he did miss a sitter in the last game. If he gets that, are people going to be bringing this up as much? I don't think they are. Everyone got them in at the start of the season for a reason because they were scared of what he can do. He's given good returns so far. He did blank in the last game, yes, but I just think he's, he's more consistent than any other player in the game at the moment. And to move away from him, you are going to take that risk. I know what you're saying with the with the two of likes of Hazard and Mane in terms of maybe Salah and who's the other option? The likes of maybe Pedro or something. I can understand why, why you'd be looking at that, but it's one of these players which in a top team, you kind of build your team around. I, I don't think the fixtures, like we were saying earlier, with Liverpool, they can score 
against anyone. We saw it last season. They scored in the big games. They scored three or four in some games. I mean, against City, Tottenham, Arsenal, there's always goals in them. And I think Salah's just going to be in and around that. I think if you do take him out, if you are on your wildcard, it's going to be so much harder to bring him back in. I can yeah, see, yeah. I can see the measure of actually taking him out now if you're not on wildcard. If you really believe that that's going to happen, he's going to digress so much in terms of stats and points, etc. Then bringing him back in on wildcard because maybe his price isn't going to change. But I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. I, if I was on wildcard, I would, he would be again still first in my team. Yeah, two for two. I'd, I'd agree with that uh, assessment, uh, Jim. I think as well. One point that people perhaps aren't thinking so much about this tough run that Liverpool have, um, Spurs away, Chelsea away, Man City home in three of the next four game weeks. They, they do have that tasty fixture against Southampton at home. But what it, that to me means is that you've, you've just sort of articulated there, uh, Jim, that, you know, Salah scores in big games anyway, historically. Mm. But also for me, he's less likely to get rest during those. So Champions League starts in eight days time, I think it is from when we're recording. I can't see a scenario whereby Klopp doesn't start Mo Salah in those three games. I just can't see it. So I think actually the, the risk of rotation for me is less because of the harder fixtures. Yeah. yeah so actually, that. I think if, if this Champions League, because it's a relatively tough group for Liverpool, if this had coincided with a quote-unquote easier run of fixtures, I'd actually be more inclined to sell him because I think that there's, uh, you know, I don't actually think I'd advocate for that, but I think the case would be stronger because I think you could say, actually, he could be due some some time on the bench because, uh, you know, they can afford to afford to expect to win those games. But those three games I just mentioned are about as tough as it gets. So I expect Salah to play an important part in those games. So, my advice for the question from the listeners is to stick with Mo Salah. I don't think he's done anything to suggest that you should sell him. And, um, you know, likewise, I think that, that miss against Leicester, um, yeah, that's, that's, that can happen. But also that came from Firmino, Firmino missing a great chance that Salah laid on. So that would have been, you know, an assist as well. So he's, he's creating as well. So for me, the Egyptian, Egyptian king's here to stay. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, okay, great. I hope that's answered all your questions there on, on Liverpool. Can we go to, as you mentioned earlier, Tom, Alex Ball's question. So he's put, morning gents, there seems to be plenty of value at the back. The left back trio of Alonso, Mendy, Robertson is popular. Should we add a lesser fullback, Shaw, Hollybass to that and go four at the back? Or is there better value in three, five, two, three, four, three? So, he's... so Tom, you've, uh, you've had a look at this question. Do you want to? Yeah, I took a look at it. Do you yeah, want to go cool. start us off? give my thoughts on that so I think um, for Alex we kind of talked at length about kind of Leicester fullback so both quite like those or, or sorry the three of us seem to quite like those options um, mm. if you were to push me I'd probably favour Chilwell uh, but not heaps between them and I just think that point one might come into things at this stage in the season Shaw is um, 5.1 million but he had a nasty looking injury against Spain um, yeah. Now he's already tweeted since that, and I think he's okay, which is great. So hopefully he's going to be all right. But we have no clue as to whether or not he's going to be fit for the forthcoming game week this weekend. So kind of take this advice with a pinch of salt. Look out for the press conferences, Alex, as I'm sure you will do. But um, the fixtures for United are good. They've got uh, high flying Watford away, so maybe you could say that's not that great a fixture. I still personally think it's not bad. You've then got a Wolves home game away at West Ham, which is a fixture everyone wants at the moment. Bad for me, and a home game against Newcastle. So you know, pretty good run over the next four game weeks. You look at Shaw's stats as well. He's had 
eight shots this season in those four game weeks. That's, I was quite surprised that was that high, actually. Compare that to some of the other options that Alex mentioned. So Mendy's had six, uh, Holobas three, Robertson just the one. Uh, Alonso has a ridiculous 12. So, you know, that guy is playing in a flat back four, supposedly. But, uh, you know, if you watch the games, that's just a nonsense. He's, he is right up there. So we say on this pod. Definitely. Crosses wide. So he's doing great on the shots. So crosses wise, he's get, he's got nine so far this season. That's being just obliterated by Mendy and Holobas. 27 crosses each, which is ludicrous. I thought I'd got that wrong, but I went back and checked. Yeah, it's 27 crosses each, according to uh, Fantasy Football Fix. Um, that's behind Alonso, who's got 13, which is still great numbers, and uh, ahead of Robertson, who has eight. So I think if Shaw's fit, which we don't know, or if it's just a short-term deal for him, bearing in mind the praise that Jose's given him publicly... The comments from Shaw, the recalling into the England squad, I'd say I'm pro a Shaw inclusion in an FPL squad as a kind of you know, conceptual basis. Holobas 4.8 mil is great value. They've got a tough run, though. They've got Man United, the game I just mentioned, um, away at Fulham. I think Fulham are the sort of side that you would want your attackers playing against them, but I'm not sure you want your defenders. I think they're going to be full of goals, that, that team, this season, for and against. Away at Arsenal, which is a tough game, and uh, home to Bournemouth. And we mentioned that you know Bournemouth do score goals as well. So a kind of bit more tempered on the Holobas recommendation. He's already had two bookings in four games, which is you know as we know par for the course for this guy. Twenty one yellow cards. Loves a booking. Twenty one yellow cards over the past uh, two seasons is ludicrous numbers. Um, but it feels like with those stats about the crossing, twenty seven crosses in four game weeks, feels like assists are your probable route to points. In in my opinion, there, I thought Alex's question about formation was really interesting because if we accept that the combination of Mendy, Alonso, and Robertson are going to be in a lot of people's teams, certainly those on wild card, and I don't know whether or not you're on that bully but i suspect that's at least in your thoughts yeah. that's gonna if you were to buy them today that would take up 23.4 million if you were to supplement that trio with Juan Basaka, who's 4.1 million so that's approaching a quarter of your budget right this is a lot of money so i'd personally be happy playing Juan Basaka as that fourth defender more so when zaha's fit which apparently he's, he's looking on track to be for this game week, um, and certainly Tomkins, who I've, I've not heard anything about his injury as part of that four. So because you're spending so much on those other three and then supplementing that with Juan Basak, who's had such a encouraging start to the season after how he ended last season, I would personally favour using that money more in the midfield or up front to supplement that back four. That's how I do it. But uh, Pete, you're the man on the wild card. What are your yeah. thoughts on, on sort of those expensive fullbacks yeah. and supplementing them with a Luke Shaw type person what do you think yeah I was obviously looking at uh, Bennett at Wolves as well as the four million yeah. option yeah I, I'm leaning towards them those three just because having watched them play this season they all just look superb like each of their teams it's notable how much they play out to the flanks and look for those sure. they're always looking to go forward it feels like you're looking at wingers even in the back four so I'm I'm pro doing that at the moment but like I said to you earlier I think the other options of attacking fullbacks you know Wamba Saka is obviously the golden one at Palace really do like Pereira we've talked about Alexander-Arnold in the past that he's he's played every game from the start from Liverpool doesn't score quite as many points but uh, I'm keeping my eye on him for the season he seems to be fairly well established maybe after these next four yeah, that's a good shout I think the only thing with TAA I've noticed as well he's been pretty unlucky actually he's hit, hit the, the woodwork a couple of times he's just a bit more fond of a booking I noticed that which just you know when you're up against 
yeah. that Liverpool squad playing in the way that they are, that's just going to destroy any chance of that bonus. So I appreciate the price difference. I think he's probably yeah. around a million cheaper. Um, that's probably about right, I'd say, based on you know the potential point returns. Um, yes. Jim, what do you think? What do you think about the the sort of back three of Mendy, Alonso, and Robertson? Is that sort of something you'd say template? Notwithstanding, you'd go with that and look to just supplement them with a Wan Bissaka Bennett type situation, or would you spend even more than that? Yeah, see, I'm, I'm with Bully on this one. I do feel like uh, Trent Alexandra Arnold is going to come good, and I think that he will be just as good as Robertson at some point. I still think Robertson's probably going to get more points towards the end of the season, but just that value with their clean sheets, and I do think that he can score and he can assist as well. Uh, could That's be worth it. The, the only point is, you know, we need to think about these Champions League games coming up. Yeah. And whether or not there's going to be a bit of rotation there. Like you say with Salah, they do have some tough fixtures, so you would hope they would play their best team. But fatigue is bound to set in because they've got, yeah. in between these games, I mean, like after the Tottenham game, they've got Paris Saint-Germain, so they're going to play their best team there. Then they've got Southampton, and they've got Chelsea in the um, EFL Cup, so you're not expecting their full team there. Then they've got Chelsea again in the league then after that they've got Napoli followed by City then it's Huddersfield so you'd expect that Huddersfield game probably a little bit of rotation maybe at fullbacks and I do think Robertson and Alexander Arnold may be the ones which they can take out because Klein and Moreno I think are fit I feel like they can be used in these games so I'm a little bit wary of that Um, I'm kind of glad I'm not on wildcard because it'll be a tough choice because towards the end of the season you kind of want these big players that are playing well in that position but um, yeah, it, it will be it's difficult to, to stay away. It's a good point. You, you could definitely see uh, Klopp asks so much of his fullbacks, doesn't he? Both you know, hmm. attacking and defending from minute one through to the end of the game. That maybe that Southampton game is more likely to see some rotated minutes. Then, if that's the game that he thinks they can potentially handle that, you know, and, and still win that game, that's a possibility. But no, I absolutely hear you. It's uh, this time of the season now where games are going to start coming thick and fast with the. Everyone's all in all of the cups, aren't they? So, you know, no one's been knocked out yet of these stages, really, in the domestic cups as well. So, yeah, that's a possibility. So I think having that playing bench as well is obviously crucial at that particular stage. And that's why you know, Wan Bosaka has been such a gift at 4.1 mil. Yeah. Just to, just to offer another defender to that conversation, I've heard a few people talking about my conversations, only owned by 4.6% of FPL owners but someone I think's actually always been and um, this season has looked a threat from, from corners, is Ake at Bournemouth, he's only 5 million well, you may not see that as only but Bournemouth's fixtures are Leicester, Burnley Palace, Watford, Saints Fulham before United plays every minute of every game pretty much has a goal this season there's also been a couple of times I've seen him pretty much under the crossbar waiting for a tap in and I think he's someone you can put your hat on to play every week for for how side so he might be somebody else you want to consider as a rotation with those higher price ones Do you know believe that's it's a really interesting one because I'm so vocal about thinking that Bournemouth's defense is just uh, just Terrible. disgusting I, yeah. I really don't I really don't like it just for me even if they only concede one goal like that's obviously enough as clean sheet metric yeah. is a team team thing right but yeah. six clean sheets last season about sums up where they're at for me now the point that Ake has to counter that like five mil is probably a bit bit much but he does love a bonus point that's just undeniable like Brilliant. even in that playing in that defense and he, like you say he does get those chances I can't 
deny that when he does, um, when they do sort of collectively do well as a team, he's always there for that additional few points. So I don't hate that shout, but I just think the listeners just need to be aware that my opinion is that Bournemouth's defence is too leaky to invest in. Now, the next few game weeks, like you say, are great for Bournemouth. So we'll see whether or not I'm right over the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, but my expectation is that they will frustrate owners by conceding that one goal at least per game week, which will ultimately mean that you're relying on those attacking returns from the likes of Ake or Steve Cook um, in the in the future. Their, their new fullback is a really interesting one. I forget the guy's name. You don't know it offhand, do you, Jim? Uh, Rico. Rico, that's it, right. He... T- took a few of the set plays the against Chelsea. Well. Yeah, in the in the um, in the last game against Chelsea, which actually has annoyed me because I'm a Ryan Fraser owner. So that that's something again to look at. But again, for me, you're sort of suggesting that you're buying into that Bournemouth defence more for the chance of an attacking return rather than that team metric of a clean sheet. And for me, that feels mistake but we'll we'll see over the next few game weeks it's yeah Rico, opinions i guess Rico could be a good 4.5 option um i know could, yeah. i know the beard man's been looking at ake and uh seeing as him as a viable option i'm i'm with you on this one tom i don't think uh, you should invest in bournemouth but maybe if Rico comes good if he gets those attacking stats it's it could just be investing in the defender like we have done for Alonso Mendy yeah. and Robertson could just be the same because these defenders this year they seem to be a bit of an anomaly because they're not really playing like defenders are they so no. you're, you're looking for those attacking stats every game and you know if you want to prove us wrong in Jim wrong now's the time to do it you know Leicester home Burnley away Palace home Watford away, Southampton home, Fulham away, right? So you can you can wheel them out. Eddie Howe does not rotate that defence horribly in comparison to some of the other teams we've been talking about. So you should be assured of minutes for these guys. And that run of fixtures, if they're going to sort this defence out and, and prove me wrong, now's the time that uh, they're going to do it. So it'll be interesting to you know listen back and hear the analysis in game week 11 when the fixtures go a bit nasty to see how they've uh, how they've got on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to move it on now. We've got a question here from Amito21. He's put Champions League starts between game week five and game week six. Where do you see the potential rotation dangers? So where are the rotations uh, we think about? We mentioned Liverpool just then and probably the fullbacks and maybe not as much Salah. Where else are we looking at? Maybe City, Tom? Sure. Yeah, I would say Man City are the more likely. I think the Spurs team, um, is is pretty settled. They have got some um, options coming back into the uh, midfield mix. So I think Lamella is now training again. Not sure whether or not fit enough to join the first team, but he's uh, certainly back in contention, shall we say, uh, soon, and that could become a factor. Son obviously missed out on the military duty, having to serve military duty as uh, South Korea won the Asian Games. So I'm sure he's going to be due a rest. He's got to be pretty emotionally drained after that, one would think as well. Um, but as and when he rejoins the fold as well, that will give the opportunity for rotation with uh, Lucas Moura, who's been in such great form. So I think there are some possible problems there. I certainly wouldn't go near the Spurs fullbacks, fullbacks at yeah. this time because Pochettino, it doesn't seem to matter if they're playing in you know four competitions or one competitions. Similar to Klopp, he asks so much of those fullbacks that that um, sort of quartet of, of fullbacks, that's Davis, Rose, uh, Trippier and Aurea respectively, they're all going to see game time from an FPL point of view, nightmare because you just don't know which games they're going to play and which they aren't 
And more to the point, he doesn't leave them out for the full 90. Davis often comes on with just a handful of minutes to go, which is just, you know, the worst, worst case scenario. So Spurs feel a bit of a risk for me in certain positions. Man City just have this, you know, ludicrous array of talent. And it would be crazy to suggest that they're not going to rotate that awesome squad over that period of games, right? If you're asking me to predict the Man City lineup, then hmm. I'm just going to pass on that. One thing I would say is that the midfield feels like the, the hardest area to to predict at this time. David Silva's been uh, getting a lot of uh, interest in the community, and that's justifiable because he's been playing very well. Was super unlucky against Newcastle, I thought as well. But Pep's already on record saying that he's going to have his minute, minutes managed more carefully this season. So I I tend to stay away from the midfield area. I don't know what do you guys disagree with that. Well, that's just good advice. Whilst we're talking about um, David Silva, I because I'm looking at bringing him in this week for Wilcott. Mm. FYI, guys, Wilcott has still not trained so far. Potential of him not playing this week because there are news that he is ready for this game week. He may not yeah. be. He's still not trained. So yeah, so I'm looking at moving Wilcott out for David Silva. I, I just think his stats are great. He started every league match which he's been available in. Yeah, against Newcastle, he actually got the most shots created for. He just looked at it, he looked really hungry. and He did. You know, when you just Agreed. think, oh, God, my, my gut was saying, right, I need to bring this guy in. Like, I just watched yeah, the game. I, I do. Just think, right, I mean, like, he's 13 chances created over the season, eight attempts. With KDB out, with Silva not going away for internationals as well, he's got his rest because um, sure. he's retired from international football. Yeah, great fixtures coming up. Still with Man City, you know, they've got Fulham, Cardiff, Brighton, Burnley, and then they've got... He's Liverpool. just quality, isn't he? Yeah. Just, he is just quality. He's just quality. And he, he's just quality. as well. Yeah. Like, he's playing fantastically. If he's picked by Pep, he's a brilliant shout, you know? And all we can go on is, he's like you say, he's played those games that you mentioned, and he's played them really well. He's where on one, two, three, four, sixth on X, uh, the not XG, the expected assists so far, which I thought was kind of interesting because he hasn't played the most minutes so far. But you always expect him to do something. He's always going to create chances in that team for the the quality of personnel he's working with, and he seems goal hungry as well. So yeah. I love the shout. If you're saying is he nailed on, uh, you know, it's not, even yeah. God, not even God knows, you know, because Guardiola is Guardiola and he's got so many players. He's got to try and keep them all happy. We don't know, but um, I, my gut says he's going to see a lot of game time uh, in the Premier League in De Bruyne's absence, but yeah. uh, it's, it's purely gut based instinct rather than knowing because Guardiola is his own man. It's just his ability to unpick like those defences. I just sure. think they need it where with De Bruyne absent. And also I was talking about it with Alex Ball. He, I think he's um, kind of looking at Hazard as an option and he's played a similar amount of minutes to Hazard, but he's created three more chances, had two more shots in the box than Hazard and had the same amount of penalty area touches. So He's a lot less than him. For me, mm. with those fixtures, City being City and scoring whenever, I just think he's a great option. And that's he is a great option. I'm, 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 t- I'm taking a minus four to actually bring him in. Yeah, I can't deny he's a great option. And and the game time risk, for me, that's true of literally every player in that squad other than possibly Edison. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to say don't bring in Man City players because they, they're a rotation risk because that's crazy that... When they play, they can score you huge points. And I'm agreeing with you, Jim. I think he's he's likely to play more so because of KDB being you know on the shelf at the minute. Yeah. I think the, the, those those for me felt the more 
likely teams to to rotate to answer the original question but you just need to be mindful of the fact that over this period teams will will have to do that with a number of games even though man city's group is understandably the easiest having having won the league last year i still expect them to use that uh, expect pep to use his squad and and why wouldn't he he's got all these great players and and may as well you know use them and protect his squad yeah yeah bully any any thoughts I think you guys have talked and covered most of it. I think just the, the only support for David Silver, I suppose, is without KDB. They were out their usual conductor and Silver does that job so well. It's crucial really for Pep to have one of those on the pitch. So if I was investing in any City midfielder, it would be him. I do think if you have Sterling, whether he starts or comes off the bench, he's always a goal threat or an assist threat. So if you go that way, then I think you, you'll see some returns. But Silver is absolutely the safest option at the moment. Great shout. Sterling, I was wrong on. I thought they'd overpriced him at 11 mil. Even, yeah. even with how great a season he had last season, I yeah. thought 11 million was, was, uh, too, too rich. But, you know, based on how he's done so far, yeah. um, this season, how Come he's up, looked lots. as well, yeah. fair dues. He's, you know, just, he's getting it done. So, yeah, no, I like that shout as well. He loves to cut inside and shoot, doesn't he? Says that. It's yes. kind of, it's almost like he's, uh, developing his own kind of trademark, like a, a Robin, yeah. you know, step yeah, over. Right for Robin. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, right, yep, so another good chap. let's go through some quick ones. So we're going to answer these ones in less than a minute. So one from Captain Kingpin is just, but is it worth spending a transfer on a goalkeeper or is it best to wait until the wildcard? Bully, thoughts on that? Uh, you want quick fire answer? I would say, I can't give you a quick one on that. It's so dependent on who the goalkeeper <laughs> is, what your situation is. I, I think if you've got one goalkeeper who's not playing week in, week out, it's worth doing it. Uh, if you're going to bring in someone like an Allison who's going to play regularly or an Edison who we know is going to keep clean sheets, I think it depends if you've got two regular playing goalkeepers. If you have, then I'd wait. Yeah, I feel like if you've, if you've got a uh, playing goalkeeper, no matter who it is, if they're playing, I would probably wait as well. Uh, Tom? I'm, yeah, I slightly disagree because I've done, I've actually, I started the season with Pickford based on some analysis I did on the, uh, on his save potential last season. Um, but Everton just don't seem to be interested in defending effectively. So I've taken money out of that goalkeeper position to help me buy Alonso, actually. So yeah, I suppose I that's if a big, Yeah, I'd say that. So selling a goalkeeper, I'd say if it's enabling you to improve significantly elsewhere, sure, go for it. I don't like it as a, a standalone transfer. No one likes doing it. It's, it feels pretty, pretty dull, doesn't it? So yeah. but I think if you're, if you're using it as part of an upgrade elsewhere, then sure. Yeah, I'm in favour. Yeah, okay. Uh, one here from FPL Doctors, just but is Pedro a viable option if on wildcard? And I'm going to come in first with this one. I'm not keen on Pedro based on knowing that he got benched the last game. You don't know if he's going to start every game and he's competing with that place with William. I think William, when he played, he, was, he gave a little bit more whip for Chelsea and I don't know whether Sarri likes that. I know he scored as soon as he came on. I do think maybe he got a bit lucky there, but He's not for me, Pedro. I can see why people are going there. But for that price, I'll probably want something more uh, secure. Thoughts, Tom? Uh, I agree. I think at that price, you've got a comparable price point in the Chelsea team. The name of Marcus Alonso. And he gives you way more yeah. uh, for me at that value. Nailed on selection for one. Um, I don't, do actually like Pedro um, as a player, as an FPL player rather, because he's a selfish bastard and mm. loves a shot. So... 
you like that as a team, but for me, that the fact that when he starts, he's going to be one of the candidates you expect to come off after like an hour, hopefully over 60 minutes if you're an owner, or be on the bench and come on for that 25, 30 minutes, then for me, that puts me off. And I think there's other options around that 6.6 plus options, namely Richarlison coming back after his ban. So no, um, I would avoid is yeah. my, uh, my answer. Brilliant. Yeah, the last point Tom made was the one I was going to make, and that is actually for his price. You've got people who will play on a, a weekly, regular basis, Richarlison being one of them. Talked a bit about Madison earlier. Um, I like the look of Scherler at Fulham at the moment as well. Yeah. And, of course, nice you've got, yeah. got Pereira as well at Watford if you haven't got him at 6.3. So you've got guaranteed starters there who are returning for similar or less. Yeah. Schurler's a great shout bully actually I know this, is, this doesn't really answer the question but at that price I think he's is he still under 6 mil I think yeah, he is 5.9 five, five less than 5 yeah. he's going to be a nice he's had, sure. he's had so many shots Pete already um, I yeah. mentioned my viewing of Fulham thus far is that they're going to be a great team to watch they're going to score a lot of goals I think they're going to create a lot of chances don't like them so much defensively at the moment but Schurler seems to be keen to impress from the goal scoring uh, side of things so I like that shout, at, especially at that price point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can another quick one here, uh, which I'm just we've already kind of answered is EKA Field uh, Mohammed has put best five or five point one defensive option. And I think we've already spoken a lot about the Leicester defensive assets there and Pereira and Chilwell. Maybe go for one of them. Uh, okay, move back up to kind of the wild card question. So, Kingpin here has just put under what circumstances should you wild card, ignoring all the social media pressure? So, Bully, what have you wild carded, and what made you wild card? Okay, so for me, it was about injuries, uh, bans, and just in terms of, I'd set the team quite nicely up for the first three or four weeks, had that bad week, but then. Moving forward, there are more fixtures for me to take advantage of. I believe there's players on form that will stay in form. So form changes is one. Injuries is one factor there. And also just taking advantage of some of the price rises over the international, over the game weeks. My team's already gone up. If I look at the, yes, I've gained sort of 0.3.4 million already. And that's the, the international game week fixtures are only just coming to an end now. So it's really taking advantage because I did that a few seasons ago. And that served me quite well in the latter stages when I had a bit more money in the bank. So it's yeah. those, those three main things. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Tom, are you in agreement with that one? Sure. Yeah, I think that uh, wildcard can be used in so many different ways. Uh, so many different factors can denote for you personally when to use that. I don't think it's an exact, precise science that you can just generically apply across the piece. Um, I think it's almost like a gut feel that you'll know. Like I thought at the beginning of this show when we talked about my my team – there was an argument to say that I could have wildcarded. You know, my start of the season has been all right, but um, actually, it didn't feel like there was massive surgery to coin the name of this podcast um, required on my team. So, I think actually, it comes down to a bit of gut feel. International breaks aren't actually massively um, helpful in terms of that price uh, volatility and price bank building over the actual two weeks. Initially, yes, but not over the you know the ten days that follow. Uh, but it does give you that opportunity to set yourself up for the next few weeks um, amidst the time when a lot of players can get injured. So I do like wildcarding over an international break. Personally, I think I'm more likely to do it now in the second one in four game weeks' time, though. 
Yeah, cool. Good points. Right, so moving on to the next question here. Uh, Captain Kingping again, because he's getting a lot. So, uh, stick or <laughs> twist with Ericsson. Tom, I'm going to go to you. I know you've had a look at this one. Yeah, I did have a, a look at this one. So, Ericsson's had a price fall. He's 9.4 million now. Spurs have got kind of interesting mix of fixtures. They've got this tough Liverpool game at home, followed by two away matches of Brighton and Huddersfield. Then they play Cardiff at home, which is a lovely fixture, and then away at West Ham, and they'll be you know, well up for that one as well. Um, I started the season with Ericsson, but I sold him on very, very quickly for Sergio Mane. So that's kind of initially worked out for me. But I did look, and I think it's noteworthy that Ericsson, despite kind of what I thought from an eye test observation, looking at um, performance this season versus last, he's actually ahead on goal attempts. So 3.2 this season on average, uh, goal attempts versus 2.6 in the same sort of period. And minutes per attempt, he's actually marginally ahead as well. So it's 27 this season compared to 33 last. So actually, he's still looking threatening. I know he's just scored a brace as well in the international break as well. Mm. Um, did wonder whether or not there's something to think about. So Ali has got a, uh, an injury right now. He's picked up on international duty. don't know how serious that is, but I wondered how the Spurs dynamic will change if he's unavailable for uh, next game week and potentially beyond that. We know Sun's due back after the Asian Games' success. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how Ericsson goes. I, I think, for me, if you can find the money to upgrade to Hazard, it's not a like-for-like, he's 1.3 million more expensive, but Ericsson currently has no bonus points, which is really weird for a guy like him. Baseline BPS of 57 compares pretty horribly to Hazard's 95, and Hazard's played significantly less minutes. So Hazard's next few fixtures are Cardiff, West Ham, Liverpool and Southampton in home away order. He's had 10 shots already and that is averaging one every 22 minutes and he's only played 223 minutes so far this season. So he's looking super attacking already. He's also had a good international break thus far. I know they play Iceland today, so I don't know how they've got on so far. But what I thought was really interesting, Jim, is actually the comparison just in the number of touches, not necessarily in the final third, but Ericsson's known as the kind of um, orchestrator of play in that team, but he's only had 18 more touches than Eden Hazard in 137 more minutes. Hmm. So Hazard's played 38% less game time so far, and he's already almost matched him for touches. So Ericsson's a slow burn player. We know that. I still have faith that over the course of the season, he's going to come good for you. I still, I still believe that. However, if you can move him on without, you know, wrecking your team completely and taking a huge point set for Eden Hazard. I like that move personally. Yeah, I I fully agree with that one, Billy. No, I, I, I can't really challenge that at all. I think yeah. um yeah, have you maybe... looked at Spurs on the wild card at all, Bully? If you is there a team that you you think you're gonna be represented in in your wild card squad are you looking to avoid it? Well I'm still I'm still sat on more I'm still sat on Mora at the moment, just because, again, having watched him, and I stick by my kind of point of they made no signings. Um, he's performing fantastically well. Sure. He's like having yeah. a new signing. They're winning games. That's kind of keeping people a bit quiet. On the whole, we didn't get anybody look at the state of us. Sure. It's hey, going to be a hard player for Pochettino to drop, isn't it? I mentioned Lamella and Sun yeah. and what have you, but, uh, you know, like I say, like say performance-wise, it's, yeah, it's going to be hard for him to... I, I know, I know the... The, the mindset is Son is meant to come back. Lamella is meant to come back. But I just think if Mora is running through, for example, United's defence and tearing them apart, at some point we've got to look and say, actually, this is a guy that came over to 
came over from Brazil on the same hype as Neymar the, the season before. Um, he's always been touted as being a superstar. He's just never really got a run of games that allowed him to, to develop. And this may well be it. We may well see a world-class Brazilian um, playing for Tottenham this season. So I'm going to keep the faith in Pochettino to kind of reward that because he looks outstanding when he plays. Yeah. Just going against that one, Mora has only got six shots, three on target, and has scored from every single shot he's taken. So... I'm just going to be a devil's advocate here and say I'm not sure if he can keep that up. With some back, could come into that rotation. Before I heard about the Ali injury, I think that he could be quite a good shout of their fixtures coming up. Um, and I just don't want a quick word on Kane. He is now shooting, I listened to the Stats Bomb podcast, he is now shooting 2.49 per 90 this season. Uh, whereas pre-injury, where he hurt his ankle against Bournemouth or whoever it was, he it was, was, Bournemouth, yeah. he was uh, shooting six times per 90. Um, so it is showing that he has digressed big time. So if you are looking at him on wildcard, think about that. I mean, a lot of people bring him on wildcard as well, hoping that he is going to come good as well. But yeah, just on more of that, I, I would go in apprehensively on him. I think, I think you're right. Uh, Jim, I, I'm going to be, I would, would agree with that on, from what you've described there. I do think Ali's injury is going to help Pete's shout of include, yeah. or potential inclusion. Mm. We don't know the severity of Ali's injury, but, um, personally as well, I just don't see how Sun's going to come straight back in and play minutes. Like he's, he, World Cup, I know they didn't have a prolonged period there, but he came back in full pre-season. He was on the bench in game week one. He's then gone and played this, this tournament playing in every game there and, and the emotion, <laughs> sort of, uh, if you saw the photos of, of of what that meant for him as well, I'm anticipating. I don't even know. He may have even gone away on the international break to represent his country for because it's an under twenty three competition, the Asian Games. So the guy's played a lot of football. Wait and see to see whether or not he's available before we start assuming that he's going to usurp Mora. I do like Mora initially, and if he can keep that place, then you know Liverpool home, sure, tough fixture, but Brighton, Huddersfield, Cardiff, and West Ham. Yes, three, or, three out of four of those are away. That's a lovely run of games. So I, I can understand that, that shout, Pete, for sure. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to move us on now. So just got one here from FPL Handbag. He has put, is Alonso and Hazard must-haves? Well, I'm starting to think Alonso. It's, uh, he hit the post in the last game. He also had a great save from Begovic. He got the assist. The main reason uh, he got the assist was just because he's in the box. He just seems to be up forward every game. I just think he's absolutely incredible. He could be becoming a captain option now. Just because these defenders are just kind of playing, scored an attacking point in every single game. And also, I did have a quick note. I heard Eden Hazard at the end of the game saying, sometimes he's in front of me. I said to him once, Marcos, I think your first target is to defend because you play left back. But this guy doesn't want to listen. He just wants to score goals. So it just, it just shows. Sarri also reckons he is the best left back in Europe. He's just um, played some minutes for Spain as well. I think he is absolutely incredible. Yeah, here, here, mate. Um, I decided that he was must-have, and I brought him in over this break for uh, Van Anholt. So I, every, every time I watched him, it was horrible watching as a non-owner. I'd been there before. They've got a great run of fixtures as well that we've already mentioned on this podcast. So yeah. for me, it, it, it kind of doesn't matter that you, you can balk at the price and say, you know, spending that much on a defender, well, sure, but is he really a defender, in my opinion? No, not even in this back four that Surrey's playing. So I decided he was must-have. Um, Eden Hazard, 
Jim, you and I have battled about Eden Hazard, Eden Hazard over the years on this show. I don't think um, he's a hundred percent fit. Eden Hazard. I, I, I think we, we can argue the toss over Eden Hazard again, but for, for me, I decided he's to answer the question. I don't think he's must have yet. Um, I no. think he's the sort of player that could become that. Right now, I don't think that's the case. It is interesting, though. I started a poll on Twitter, started it this morning, actually, to see how many of the Twitter community that follow me uh, from an FPL perspective are going to own Eden Hazard for Game Week 5. Let's assume he gets through the game against Iceland unscathed and is you know, expected to start. I was, I'm quite surprised that the majority, it's a small majority, but 56% of those voters will own him. So it feels like the Twitter community is moving to the side of favouring Hazard, understandably with how he started the season. But for me, he's not quite yet must-have, would be my answer. I love the guy, I think he's awesome, but I think you can survive without him. Whereas Alonso, I think, get him in your team ASAP. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, a lot of people are not looking at Hazard because he's a bit of a troll. He goes missing quite a lot of games. The last game, I think it was he got one shot and one goal. He does look like he's just beating players all the time now. At one point... He had like about three or four players around him. He just dribbles past and won a free kick. I think under Conte, he would have changed that and he maybe would have passed. But he's playing a little bit differently under, under Sari. So yeah, I still do think he is a, is a great option, but I'm just not quite sure he's 100% fit either. Bully, any thoughts? He did, he did, he did just before Pete comes in, he did bang home a great goal against Scotland as well. Yeah. So yeah. And he only he got 59 playing. minutes, I think it was. So yeah. Not- he, did, he is playing well. They do have a great set of fixtures. If you've got him, great choice. Potential captain choice as well. I don't know, Pete, what are your thoughts on, on the mercurial man from, from Belgium? I've always been a Hazard lover, and he, he's going in on my wild card. Um, part of my thinking there is that there will be a portion of FPL that doesn't want to c- go to him just yet, and I'm already a little bit behind, so he, for me, is a bit of a differential shout. But I just think since the back end of last season, during the World Cup, and every time he's walked on the pitch for Chelsea this season, he has been the standout world-class player we know him to be. He tends to show up every other season going by records. So for me, he's a he's a safer this is yeah. a safer time to invest in Hazard than perhaps at certain times in, in seasons past. And no Champions League as well. So it'll be interesting to see whether yeah. or not they, they use him in the... Yeah, exactly. you know, so, yeah, he may get that rest that his body needs after you know the tough season last season, the World Cup and what have you. So for sure, he's a great option. I think if you if you don't own him and you want him, definitely in favour. I'd advocate that, but I don't think he's um, he's essential. That's how that's just my feeling right now. Okay, cool. Well, we've had loads of questions, and I do apologise. We haven't got through to all of them. I will try and just reply on Twitter, just with our views uh, on all of them. We'll go over it at the end of the pod. So thank you again for your questions. I need to run for a quick tinkle, so we'll be back in a, a tick. Me too. Me too. Right, so that's all uh, all questions that we could answer answered. Let's see what the surgeons are going to be doing in terms of transfers and captaincy. So, TC, who are your main transfers this week? You I went, to- yeah, I went early on mine to um, 
I sort of priced out otherwise. So I risked it, knowing that if everything went belly up over the international break, I'd play the wild card. So I brought in Alonso. I would say I think he's essential. And uh, to achieve that, I needed to find some money. So moved out Pickford. I still think Pickford may come good, but uh, Everton just haven't kept any clean sheets. So moved him out. I was really impressed with uh, Patricio against us, uh, us being West Ham. So brought him in. And uh, yeah, Alonso's actually potential captaincy choice. And we'll come <laughs> on talk about captains in a minute, moment. But yeah, those are my moves. Uh, yeah, so my moves are... Uh, and looking at PVA out for Bennett, and that's to fund Walcott to David Silva, who at the moment I think I'm in love with. I think you may be. Um, I've uh, I've had my wild card, so I've made loads of transfers, mm. but I'm looking at Aguero as my captain, or potentially Hazard against Cardiff. Captain, I've gone I've gone Aguero as well. I think against that Fulham defence, it's uh, it's going to be hard not to do so. But I do like the do like the Alonso shout as well. It's Tempter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sticking with Aguero. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm on Aguero. He's uh, leading Captain Powell. He's had the most shots for forward. And also Fulham, I think that they are top four big chances conceded with 12 level with Huddersfield and West Ham. So nice. they, they are not great defensively. And I don't think they've gelled yet at the back. So they've conceded nine so far. They keep, they've just switched their defense again with Mawson coming back in. So yeah, definitely Aguero for me. Yeah, I think they're going to score and concede plenty, that team, like I said. So, yeah, me too. Nice, man. Shall we uh, look us in the feedback box? Oh, yes, the feedback box. We had one here, uh, David Wag- Wagner-Lodor. He was on the Hell Cheaters podcast the other week. He was a really good appearance on there. I really enjoyed it. So he puts, listening now, great job, Stag and crew. One of my favourite pods packed with good info. And he also put here, uh, the problem with your pod is uh, I can't multitask because I missed some of the info. So I'm constantly stopping and rewinding, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, we also have one here from uh, Mark at mbison22 saying, excellent show, chaps. Quick question, Bully transfer to Barry White for a minus four? <laughs> I think it's a great move. <laughs> Unfortunately, your your uh, mic's worked this whole pod, so we, we didn't actually get any deep voice uh, Barry White. But maybe we'll get it next pod. I, I actually have to do the same thing about the rewinding on podcasts as well. It does my head in. You're like, tune out for a moment. You're like, actually, I have, haven't been listening for the last two minutes. It probably <laughs> happened to the listeners with me waffling on on this podcast load. So go back and listen to all my, my great <laughs> advice again. It's, yeah. it's, it's definitely worth listening to. It is. It definitely is. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks for the feedback again, everybody. Always good to uh, to hear what you've got to say, good and bad, about the podcast. Always up for some constructive criticism and feedback. I spent, I think it's time to soothe the listeners with some sexy thoughts. Yeah, let's put that on. Sexy thoughts. You know what's sexy this week? The international break has just passed. A chance to hang out with family, relax, eat good food, not think about FPL, and just have a week off. Now it's back to that crazy week where you check price rises every couple of hours, check injuries, get on Twitter at the last minute and go through all the last minute panic. It is FPL. Welcome back. Sexy there is a family man, but he is glad FPL is back. Excellent. Thanks for that again, Sexy. Always a uh, a very uplifting end to the pod. Uh, you can interpret that how you like. Huh. Um, so that brings us to the end of another Fancy Football Surgery podcast. Um, TC, great appearance once again. Thanks for, thanks for coming back. You're most welcome, chaps. Thanks for me, having me on and um, hopefully talk to you again soon this season. Yeah, you, you may not want people to contact you, but um, but we're going to give them a way of doing it anyway. If people want to ask you any further questions or 
um, follow you on, on Twitter or generally kind of learn from your, your wisdom, um, how can they get in contact with you? Anybody, yeah, come and, come and have a conversation. I'm um, at UtterlyTC on Twitter and do uh, – yeah, it's, it's pretty much most uh, mostly uh, FPL now, my Twitter feed, so – yeah, come and have a chat. And every week you do do a great uh, rendition of uh, uh, just putting points on match of the day, what you've seen. And I think that loads of your Twitter followers are really enjoying that. Oh, cheers, mate. Yeah, no, I do do that. I do um, yeah, four um, iPhone note pages of, uh, you know, just the salient points from match of the day from my observations, trying to keep it FPL related. So, yeah, and people seem to be enjoying that. So yeah, good. I always, always watch match of the day. So, um, yeah, I'm doing that as well. Um, uh, yeah, at Utterly TC. Nice. Excellent. Well, Iceman, you know, another great podcast. And uh, I'm, this is our regular part of the podcast. Is there any wisdom that you can offer our listeners <laughs> in their lives to get them through our return to FPL? I, I just don't think there's ever been any wisdom from me. <laughs> this is one little morsel from your the successes that you've, you've no, had. No, no. There, there's nothing. There's nothing. But keep okay. asking that question every week because it's probably my favourite part of <laughs> One day well, you're going to come up with something, I promise. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to offer you one thing I do know that the Iceman does very well that uh, he, he, he won't say, but plan everything. <laughs> and when I say everything... There's nothing like organised fun. Organised fun, break down everything you do in your day and just, you know, just look for efficiency. That's all I would say. Um, any, do you want to say goodbye to the listeners, Iceman? Oh, yeah. Bye, listeners. Thanks for listening. Lovely. Well, um, to get in contact with, stay involved with, and generally support the podcast, you can follow us on patreon.com forward slash fancy football surgery. Again, great community over there. Join us in our Slack channel and a chance to win prizes. Any support, little or big, is very helpful. You can join our mini league. It's uh, fancy football surgery podcast mini league 225 369. Visit the website www.fantasyfootballsurgery.com regularly updated by the Ice Family with a thousand articles. <laughs> um, you can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and Reddit. Follow us on Twitter at ff underscore surgery, and you can also listen to us on iTunes. So if you subscribe, um, please give us a rating, good or bad. Uh, tell us what you think. And uh, for general, sort of just if you like using the email address ffsurgerypodcast at yahoo.com for complaints compliments, queries, and uh, again, uh, pulling on the Iceman's wisdom. (laughs) Um, So all that's left to say is thanks for listening once again. Good luck in your game weeks and up the pod. Up the pod. That's funk music. In second place was John Eric Torsenstein. Torsteinson. Sorry, I'll go say it again. (laughs) (laughs) Was uh, John Eric Torsteinson. Torsenstein.
Torsteinson, sorry, I'll go say it again, <laughs> was uh, John Eric Torsteinson. He is right up there, so we say on this pod, right up there. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to amplify that a little bit, but yeah, that'll work. <laughs>